Welcome to the Transformation Podcast. My name is Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined with Darren Davis, pastor and senior leader here at the Harvard Church. Darren, I always appreciate you coming in and sharing your thoughts as a, as a great intro to these interviews. Yeah, always good being with you, my friend. Today's a special episode. Today, we get to talk with Alex Perez. Alex is a fire starter in her heart. She just carries the passion and the zeal. It comes from a place of love, but you just get hyped whenever she starts to speak. And this was a great insight into how that started a more sensitive side and just the origins of her walk with, with the Lord. So what were some of your thoughts? I feel the same. You know, Alex is a part of our worship community. She helps with our youth. She's a communicator. So she's up front so often, but it's so good to hear the behind the scenes. I mean, my goodness, man, her story is, is off the chain. And, and I was proud of her in this. I mean, she got vulnerable and she went deep quick. Yeah. I think some people, maybe even if they don't resonate hundred percent with her journey, they're going to identify with some of the pain that she's, that she's walked through and Jesus has really been able to help her overcome on the victorious side and then really make her into who she is today. I mean, truly someone who's been completely 180 by Jesus's love. And now, so you see her boldness, right? We see that, we hear that whenever she ministers, but I think you'll understand why after you listen to this podcast. So we're excited once again to invite you guys in to hear the story of another life transformed by the power of God. Enjoy. Alexandra Perez. You don't want me to call you Alexandra, do you? You can call me Alex. I'll probably be like, hey, please call me Alex. <laughs> Who calls you Alexandra? Your mom? Your mama? Darren. Darren. My mom calls me. Yeah, my mom calls me Alexandra when I'm in trouble. If right. not, she calls me. Huh? Yeah, my mom calls me yeah. Christopher when I'm in trouble. Right. So it's like weird when people call me Alexandra at church. I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> It's weird for me to hear people call me Chris. I would say 80% of my life, I've always been called Sanchez, even at school. People called me by my maiden name. They called me Nino. Your last name is Nino? Your maiden name is Mm -hmm. Nino? Very cool. My name, my maiden name was Alexandra Kid. Like. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, by the way, this is the beginning of the podcast. I like the beginning so much that we're just. I love it. Thank you so much for joining Alex to the Transformation Podcast. I'm excited for this. People have heard you. They've seen you. But I think it's such an opportunity, like we were praying beforehand, for them to see the transformation that's been happening in your life and how all the steps, because there is deep history between you and the Lord and where you are now. So let's just start very basically at the very beginning. If you can, can you take us to where you were, how old you were when you first heard who Jesus was and the first thing you ever heard about that? I probably heard the name of Jesus in the womb 
reason being was my both of my parents were Pentecostal pastors. So I kind of was born into the Pentecostal Holy Spirit, get them fire presence, like very much about prayer and being at church for like six hours. And that wasn't even like fellowship. That was the service. And my parents told me when I was born, there was a lot of plagues. There was a lot of things that happened when I was born. I was two and my dad, for some reason, he got paralyzed from the neck down. Like he was getting ready for church and all of a sudden he was like yelling because he couldn't get up. And my mom told me that I came over and I said, okay, Jesus, when I touch daddy, he's going to get up and thank you. So I put my hand on his forehead and I was like, in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to go back to watching Mickey Mouse. And when I took off my hand, everything left. It was so weird, like, woohoo, <laughs> miraculous miracle. But what? yeah, like it was just a thing. Like my mom told me Jesus heals when I was little and that was enough for me. And so I remembered that and I go to him and yep, boop, just really quick on the forehead. Looking back at that, just that very first experience, what do you think was going on? Can you explain it to somebody if you were to say to someone who doesn't know, what do you mean Jesus heals? You're a little kid. How can you do that? Can you just explain, kind of walk through what that means? Yes. So the way that I explain it doing children's ministry is I believe that God has given us superpowers through his son. And one of the superpowers is being able to heal. And that can come in many different ways. It can be physical, mental, emotionally, spiritually. And a very practical way is usually like laying on of hands and there's power in his name. So when you declare in the name of Jesus, whatever you say after that, you're saying because of Jesus, this is going to happen. So when I was two, I believe that Jesus heals sickness. And I went to my dad and was like, okay, in the name of Jesus, whatever is paralyzed has to leave. And now I'm going to go watch Mickey Mouse. (laughs) And it happened. It's just this, it's a sweet, innocence. like you haven't been influenced by just, well, that shouldn't happen. Who is this little kid? It's just a purity. Is that how your early childhood into adolescence was your relationship with him? Just pure, just like, Hey, Jesus, I'm going to move this wall and then I'm going to go back and finish my cereal. Like, is that how it was early on? In the beginning, it was. It was more, it's always been an invitation like, hey, this is what we can do in Jesus. And then it was just the invitation to come do it. Dream, have visions, pray for people, prophesy over people. But then it kind of turned because when I was six, I was actually molested by one of the members like slash leaders in our church. And it was really weird how it happened because my parents' house was always an open door type thing. People could come in, come out, and it was just like family. And one thing led to another. And, you know, there's this guy and he just does what you think to do. And then... From there, something clicked where I knew something was wrong and it didn't feel right. And I never said anything. And so all of a sudden, here I am at six, I have this, this like secret kept and never said anything. It's interesting to me, like at six, something came into my mind 
to not say something because I thought that nobody would believe me. But how could it like, I think about it now, like, how could a six year old know that, you know, it's not taught on like TV or something like that. It's, it's always been like an open relationship with parents, but something in me was like, you can't say anything, they're not going to believe you. There's just, there's a lot. First of all, I want to say thank you for, for being vulnerable and sharing that. There's just a lot there because there's something about, there's just something that strips away innocence when something like that happens. I know that there are people who have experienced it or have known people who have experienced it. And it's the kind of marking that stays with you as you grow up and especially at such a young age where you're keeping it to yourself, you kind of don't know where it is on the inside of you, but you know that there is a marking. Can you share as you're growing up, are you still in the church? Are you still, did, did you feel differently about how, how God was with you or can you walk us through that? Yeah. So that happened at six when I was nine, my family in the church experienced church hurt just from some people. And my parents ended up selling the church. They still traveled to, to minister at places. And this is like a little fast forward. So they kept going to different churches and stuff like that, but going on a weekly basis and just having my own relationship with God kind of died because we stopped going to church and there wasn't any more like invitation to have your own relationship with God. So it was contingent on what they were doing since I was young. But when I was 16, I went to a service and I started getting involved in a church. And I remember that there was like this picnic that they were having. And I was talking to a friend and I was really obsessed with football. And I was like, okay, everybody, let's play. Like, this is going to be a fun way of connection. And when I was talking to a friend of mine in the conversation, I forgot what was said, but one thing led to another. And in this youth group, a lot of the girls thought I basically was like a Jezebel and they were gossiping amongst themselves like oh the only reason Alex likes football is to get the boys attention and really wrong reason Mm -hmm. and that's really like what marked how I thought that God saw me because my interpretation was if this is how God's people people who say that they love God are treating me then that must be how God truly feels about me thinking about it, since I didn't have my own relationship, there was nothing that could sustain what I was experiencing through people who said that they love him and serve him and active in the church. So where did you go? Did you just walk out? I mean, what was your what was this path looking like now? Once that happened, that kind of proved it for me like, okay, God, I don't believe that's how people should be treated. And if that's what it is, then Maybe I'm not cut out for this Christian life. So from there, I told my mom, like, hey, I was going to stop going. And she didn't ask me any questions. And from there, I just got really involved in the world and got involved with some really bad people, got involved in a gang, went completely south Mm -hmm. and dark. Do you think this turn is unresolved pains? I mean, if you're looking back at it now. What's the cause for it? I know you said that you didn't have anything to cling to and sustain it, but in your own heart, what were you looking for? What were you seeking that you were looking now in other places? I think being accepted 
mm. was a really big thing. There was, of course, misunderstanding when it came to the whole football thing and how could a woman be so obsessed with football and stuff. But for me, it was like thinking about it, you know, if you got to know me and, and know my story and know why I love football, maybe that could have changed your mind. And so there was that practical aspect of there was no connection. So there's a lot of misunderstanding. And so I just wanted to be in a place where I could be connected and I would be understood and accepted as a person. Before we go into the game, because I'm not going to drop that. And before we go into other stuff, um, <laughs> can you kind of express for those who don't know what it feels like to have suffered like this and to feel lost and now rejected and that you don't fit into places that you've grown up so free and so powerful, really? And then to walk away from that, can you talk about what you were experiencing for those who might not? To go from a place of always being invited to now having to find the invitation, there's so many different feelings that are attached to it. You feel lost, you feel confused, you feel like a victim, and you feel mm. attacked. You feel like you don't belong. You might feel like you're not loved. And all of a sudden, it's like you no longer, like I, I no longer knew who I was. And because I didn't know who I was, I clinged to anything that could possibly give me some form of substance of identity. Was that you know? a conscious decision? Was that like something like, I don't feel love, so I'm going to try this? Or was it a subconscious yes. just like walking it out? Yes. Because the big thing too, we won't get too into detail about it, but in gangs and in cliques and things, the, the big thing that they masquerade on is that it's like a family. You're going to be protected. People are going to protect you. You're going to protect them. So it was kind of like a false sense of, of like a kingdom tribe, so to speak. Hmm. Did you ever feel at any moment there's something else other than this? Or did you ever feel like, man, this isn't really what I was looking for? No, I kind of went with it. Let me just try it because worst case scenario, if I didn't like it, then I would just cut everybody off pretty much. And it would be fine because there was no form of attachment. Everyone was very welcoming, very, this is what it is. And I was like, okay, I mean, nothing bad could happen. At, at least that's what I thought and got involved. So how does, how do you get out of that? Obviously you're not in the gang now. So how, how do you get, how did you get from, well, let me try this out to eventually walking away from it? Normally there's like initiation that you do to get in. You have to do initiation to get out and it's usually a lot rougher. But the sovereignty of God was that I basically was, since they considered it family, I was, they would call it like blessed in. They knew me as one of the head honcho's spiritual daughters. And basically it was like, look, I love you guys. Everything that you guys are doing, I just can't do anymore. So I'm just going to bounce. Well, what, 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 what drew you from leaving? Why did you want to leave? Well, because all of a sudden people that would get us in trouble started getting initiated into the gang. You know, if that person is going to be in here, I'm not going to go to jail and I'm not going to risk seeing you guys go to jail because of this person. And as soon as I left, 
people understood but then all of a sudden a lot of things started happening where a person in the group they got sentenced to life for murder and all that stuff so luckily like I left before all of that stuff started happening yeah wow okay so you felt the sense in you like hey listen you know even though you're not walking with the lord you felt in your heart like i know bad people and i know trouble when it comes are you even listening at all are are you is your heart even open at all to experiencing jesus like where is he in this thought process of you leaving the gang and and that lifestyle he still wasn't in my mind mm. he didn't come until a couple years later but looking back now and knowing what i know now he was always there it's just i never noticed in what way i could have something bad could have happened back then it was like if you saw someone you would get in trouble for association if i was walking with someone that had troubles with someone else they could have easily fought me or followed me home or something like that and that stuff never happened there was a lot of protection that I noticed was around me in my life even when I wasn't fully connected to Jesus. You decide to walk away. How old are you at this point? 18? 18. Like I was about I was almost graduating high school. What's going on in Alex's life at this point and take us to where you get reintroduced to Jesus? Yes. I graduate high school. I start going to college and I had a boyfriend at the time and we were like on and off a lot and so something happened i guess we were on off terms and i talked to a cousin of mine and my cousin was like hey look i'm going to go to dave and busters to watch a miami heat championship game why don't you come with me and i was like you know what let's do it so i go with him and when i go to dave and busters it's a family that's there for me it was such an epic fail. This was you know, he didn't set up the expectation so I had no idea but still it was a family. The game was going, I don't know a lot about basketball, but I was just going for the opposite team just to get oh, in their faces because everyone was a Miami Heat fan. I know, I'm so sorry, Chris. Family. I know this probably breaks your heart. I know. I want to end the but... we're done. We're done. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so the whole time everyone is laughing, everyone they're starting to get to know me i'm sharing with them and obviously it's like a football game so i'm throwing out some cuss words and throwing up some not so nice fingers it was like really funny so finally at the end of the game 3 4 5 hours later we were we're just having a, a lot of fun it's funny because there's no alcohol involved it was a lot of food and at the end when i was about to leave they were like hey by the way we go to a church and we would love for you to come and my whole world just fell because i'm like oh no i just spent this 6 hours cursing up a storm throwing not so nice fingers and they probably think this woman needs jesus for real <laughs> so they're like yeah we're going to have a youth lock in why don't you come then come to church on sunday When they asked me that question and I went home, all of a sudden that 16-year-old girl came back and I was like, "I am not doing anything with youth. And I am not going to church on Sunday. I'm not doing this." What triggered there? Why would you have that reaction? What what are you feeling? Defensiveness? What are you feeling that that that's your reaction? 
I, for me, it felt like a sense of protection against my heart because when they said it was a youth lock-in, I thought of the youth ministry and that immediately took me back to that 16-year-old girl that got hurt by the youth ministry in this other church. I put it in my mind, I am not going to allow another group to hurt me, so I'm just not going to go. When I said no, that was that game was a Friday. Saturday, I was flipping through the channels and on the TV, they were giving VeggieTales and it was the story of Esther. And I didn't know about Esther, so I'm loving VeggieTales. I'm remembering VeggieTales from a little kid. And it's so funny because I'm watching VeggieTales. <laughs> there was this feeling that I couldn't shake off of this what if feeling of going to church. What if I go nothing bad happens. What if I go, but what if something does bad happen? And just this, what if, and I couldn't shake that feeling. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Let me just go. I'm going to be smart. I'm not going to fill out a connection card because then they won't be able to contact me. Let me just go see what happens. And if I don't like it, that's okay. I just won't go back. So Sunday comes as soon as I get to the church, I don't see the family yet that invited me. But as soon as I step in, like not even two or three steps later, there's this girl that sees me and she's hugging me and she's like, oh, yeah, welcome. It's so nice to see you. And I'm like, you don't know me. Why are you hugging me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't say nothing to her. And I didn't know anyone in the church. So I was like, let me just go into the sanctuary and just sit there until service starts. And when I walked in to the sanctuary, the presence of God was as thick as a sauna. Wow. Like it was very in the atmosphere. You could feel that he was present and he was there. So I sit down, praise and worship starts. The first song was a fast paced song. And I just started crying, like boohoo, crying, <laughs> just snot. It's, it's worse than weeping. It was like boohoo crying. And all of a sudden, there is this click that happened inside of my heart that remembered this feeling, the presence, the goodness, that loving nurture feeling. It just, it took me back. So I'm crying and crying. And all of a sudden, this woman comes from the front. She grabs me and we go to this prayer room. In my head, I'm like, yeah, it's probably because I'm hysterically crying. Come to find out that woman was a prophet. And she looks at me and she's like, you're an Esther, you're called to the nations. And she starts going, like giving me this prophetic word. And in my mind, yay for the prophetic word. But the only thing I could remember was how funny it was that literally yesterday, I'm watching VeggieTales learning about Esther. And now here you are telling me that I am an Esther. It's so him. Right? So after that, she goes and tells me the prophetic word. And then she was like, now the Lord is going to speak to you. So just sit here quietly and he's going to speak to you. And she leaves. I am so confused at this moment <laughs> because what does that mean that God is going to speak to me? I have no idea what that means. What does it look like? All of a sudden, I hear this audible voice and it says, stop running. I want you to come home. And I look around the room and there was nobody in the room. There was nobody in the room. Wait a minute. What? And I even made sure that there wasn't a CD player or something behind me that all of a sudden is singing some worship music. I've never heard of worship music, you know, like that. But who, who knows? And again, I hear, stop running. I want you to come home. 
I just knew that the same person who was speaking to me right now was the same person who was with me when I was two. It just synced without question, without doubt, without a sign or asking, prove to me you are who you say that you are. It was just, I knew. For me, the, the similarity was the invitation that came with that word. So here comes this word, hey, stop running. I want you to come home. Will you accept me again? Mm-hmm. And here, he, like he is asking me if I'll accept him again. When I thought, like, shouldn't you be accepting me? In that moment, I rededicated my life and I said, okay, Jesus, I don't know what you're going to say to me. I don't know what you're going to do with me. But if you're the same person that you were when I was two, then I'm all in for it. So I gave him my life and the journey started from there. I love these moments. This is probably the best part of doing this whole series because he is so relentlessly faithful. He comes into people's lives in so many different ways, but the pursuit is the same. He just goes after you and look at the change from that moment to where you are now. You had youth ministry pains and now you are a leader in the youth ministry here at the harbor. Mm -hmm. You were going out looking for invitations and here God is inviting you. Like it's just, he's just so beautifully just he designs everything perfectly it's just a beautiful thing so you get and there are things that i want to talk about and there's so many things like your marriage and there's just like a lot of things to go here alex (laughs) i just i just want to talk about though just in your in your walk so you have begun you rededicated your life to him where do you go? Because remember, I remember you saying earlier on that you didn't have anything to cling to. So how do you build things up with him at this point so that you can cling to him? How does that look like? It's funny because the first thing that had to go was my boyfriend. And so, <laughs> so he allowed me to like enjoy the moment like, yay, Sunday, I come home and I'm like, I accepted Jesus. What do I do now? And the first thing he was like, get rid of your boyfriend. And I'm like, yeah, no. And I said, no. God was like, listen. And now I can't, I can't beat the fact that I can't hear him because here we're having dialogue with each other. He goes, you can stay with your boyfriend, but any progress that you make, he'll always pull you down because he's not with me. Anything that you overcome, anything that just basically anything that I deal with with God, I would most likely hinder my growth because of my boyfriend it was the season where God was calling me to be with God only in the Bible when Jesus got baptized he's a new man and the first thing that he did was send him to the wilderness so I felt like here's my wilderness moment where I would just be in a place where I would be completely secluded with God and really go back to the basics and and learning what does he look like? You know, what does he sound like? What does he see me as? The first two years really was just a lot of our relationship growing as friends, as a father and a daughter, as a king to a servant, 
all of these different things that I see God as we had to like kindle that relationship. And in those first two years, that's a lot of work that we did with that because it came with it came with being honest about feelings and ways that I thought that he viewed me and even how I viewed him. Mm. So it was kind of like, okay, tell me how you feel about me. I'm gonna tell you how I feel about you. And then we're going to work on it. And there was no shame. There was no guilt. It was just very, you know, it was a wilderness. It was just open. And it as much work as we did, the deeper that we went in this wilderness. So what did it look like when you came out of it? What happened in your heart? Where was he starting to guide you and direct you into pouring yourself? Because I'm sure you're still having at this time, and I want to talk about this, pains with church and pains with body, right? And just like... Right. Yeah. So after the two years, now that I had a foundation of who God, the Father, God, the Son, God, Holy Spirit, now that I knew who they were, it was like, okay, let's get plugged into the church and start serving. So I got involved in singing on worship. They had a prophetic ministry where they would teach you how to hear the voice of God and how to give someone a word. And I felt like God was like, do that. And I just got involved into it. And it was once a week, two hours, you would learn, you would get activated and then practice doing that. And then about a year or two later, then I got plugged into children's ministry and that took off. Are you reluctant? Are you hesitant? Are you like diving in full force? What is your heart? Where's your heart in opening yourself up to giving in all these areas? At first, I was very head on because I knew who I was doing it for. Mm. A lot of times people would always tell me, you know, Alex, if God needed someone to do something, you would be the first one that would raise your hand and be like, I'll do it, God, because it was for him. Those first two years were so essential because in that learning, it was like, you know what, when I do things, I'm just going to do them for God and it's going to be okay. And so whenever he would tell me to do something, I was like, okay, God, yep, that's what you're saying. Okay, God, that's where you're going. Okay. And just follow and listen to what he's saying and just doing what he said. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't hard because it was just, this is who God is. He's real to his word. So I'm just going to do what he says and go where he goes and I'm going to be okay. And did it stay like that? Did that change? Did that sort of... It changed not too quick. I want to say four years going into it. It was like that. And it was fire. It was beautiful. But then in meeting my husband, we experienced a church split. And that's where I came to this realization and through this process that I realized that the church wasn't all as what I thought it was. Mm. The body is still being developed. And I got hurt through the development. It was horrible. Like I fell into some really deep depression. I lost a lot of weight. I really looked like a skeleton. What I thought was this perfect picture of a church, it was actually not. It was just like a facade. Now more than ever, what am I going to do when I'm in the presence of hurt? I can easily go back and be like how I was before. Like, you know what? The church isn't perfect. Let me just get out of it again. But on the other hand, and this is like the thing that kept me, and this was different from when I was younger, was now I had a relationship with God that I can hold on to. 
So when all of this hurt happened and going through this process of being hurt by people, it was different because God was there with me throughout the whole time. So there wasn't no going back to the world per se. It was just, okay, God, just like how you were doing it in the last four years, what do I do from here? And where are you leading me? And where do I need to go? Doing that, God led my husband and I, we were still dating to the harbor. And this and is then we got- your husband being, of course, Juan Perez, the giant here that he is. Love that guy. Yes. All right. So keep going. Sorry. Yeah, we when we were dating, one thing that we decided to do together was we weren't going to get engaged until we were in the same house. It was really because hard. You guys had split because part of the split, right. you guys had chosen either side. Correct. So I went to one side, he went to another side. And it was really hard because both sides were calling each other traitors. So there was a lot of, again, misunderstanding, miscommunication and assumptions, I would say a lot of words were getting thrown at each other. So it was like in the midst of that here, we're trying, we just got together and now both churches separated. So we're like, okay, what do we do? We told God, Hey, like, well, I told him my husband was ready to propose, but I was like, you know, God, I didn't want to be in two different churches because it's, you know, two different paths that they do two different visions. So God told me to tell him and I was like, okay. So I told my husband, Hey, I don't think we should get engaged until we were going to the same church and him being the wonderful man of God that he is. He made sure that we found a church to be together. And we had this list of churches that we would visit and Harbor was one of them. It was really funny because again, like God uses the things that we know. One of my favorite songs to sing for worship was King of My Heart. And when we visited Harbor, that was the song that they sang. And I fell on the floor crying and I'm like, okay, God, is this what you're saying? And when we left, he was like, I want you guys to start going to the harbor. And we just kept going and we got plugged in. And, this and now I'm doing a podcast. How long, how long ago was that? How long have you been plugged in at the harbor? Four years in November. So four years ago. Right. Because we got, we got married after we started coming to harbor. And it's going to be four years that we're going to be married in May. So before we talk about, about all that, can you share and explain? Because again, I know there are people who have experienced past pains through church where the church has left them out and they've been hurt just because of churches not being perfect. And there's, there's always growth and there's always things to go through, but there, there are deep wounds when people are hurt by churches or when they feel like they're being neglected, overlooked, or maybe even taken advantage of. Can you explain what it's like to be in that and then explain the healing that you've gone through in all these past experiences where church has let you down, but Jesus has not. Yeah. What I would say is this church hurt, whether you're in the church or not in the church, being hurt by people is never fun, especially when it's people that you've learned to grow with love with worship with whenever you open your heart to someone it's a risk because of the fact of what they can do after the fact you never know up front like hey I'm gonna open up not to say in a bad way and don't start thinking like this people but you know when you open up to someone they can take advantage of you honestly people can take advantage of you but there's also that light in humanity like what if they don't we all have to remember that we all go through hurt I've hurt people. I've been hurt. 
it goes into that part as well of feeling that. And in those feelings, there can be a lot of feelings. You know, I can list like a hundred of them. The difference between being hurt by people and then understanding who Jesus is, it all goes back to my relationship. Mm. Yes, I got hurt by people that I had relationship with and deep relationship with. But in that, the beauty of Jesus is that no matter what, and even what level of hurt, he endured the very same thing. And so when it comes to people hurting us, situations hurting us, like no matter what, just hurt in general and what you feel, there's always a place where Jesus could meet you. And I think that's the difference because he literally endured every single feeling to be able to connect with us. He put himself in a process to feel all these things for the sake of being able to connect versus us just doing it not to connect. Yeah. So his intentions were a lot different of doing things than ours. That's what made it really different when it came to Jesus was his intentionality of doing why he did things, his reason, but then the result of when he did these things. There are things where I feel like people might be going through, yeah, but they're just not seeing me. I'm not being seen, so why am I here? Can you talk into that a little bit? Yeah. What I would say is this, you have purpose and you have reason. Even if people might not see you, that doesn't mean that you're not seen. Even if you don't feel like you're heard, that doesn't mean that you're not heard. The enemy has a really great way of making you feel like a black sheep, but the father is always inviting. The kingdom of heaven has always been a kingdom of family, a kingdom of love, but a kingdom of invitation. If we think about the gospel, the gospel is good news. And that good news is that because of the sacrifice that Jesus did of dying and resurrecting, he became the bridge and we have a place to come in at the table with God. No one is higher than anybody. We're all at the same level and we all have a place to be able to sit there and be present and be real. Those feelings are real feeling unseen and unheard and even unnoticed, those things are very, very, very real. And even if someone else doesn't do it, that doesn't mean that it'll never happen either. I wrote down, sometimes I write down these notes. I write down notes. And one of these things that I wrote down and I just felt so strongly for you, Alex, was past pains in your life is leading you towards future power. Like, yes. like there is authority in the healing from past pains that you are now stepping into areas where God's given you power, authority, identity from what you've experienced with him and the healing with him. Can you share some of those transformations where you look back and you're like, man, I was a totally different person. And now look where I am. I'm involved with ministry. I'm worshiping. I'm prophetic. Like all these things. Can you share a little bit about that? I would say this. To give God honor is taking away all my gifts and my talents. And the first thing that I have the honor of being is a daughter. I have the honor of having a relationship with him. And it's a great one. It comes with challenges. It comes with correction. 
it comes with responsibility, but it's so much fun. A relationship with Jesus is so much fun and you never know really what to expect. But if you have faith in knowing that, hey, if you treat it like a relationship and not an obligation, you'll see fruit in it. From learning who I am in him came the empowerment of all the gifts, all the talents. The gifts and the talents follow me because of me following him. Mm. And so the more I follow him, the more I yield to his leading, the more that's going to follow my life. And it's like Matthew 6, 33, we seek the kingdom and then all of these things get added. If that's where you find yourself right now, like, you know, you don't feel like you're not seen or you don't feel like things are following you, redirect your focus. Because when you're looking for the gifts and you're looking for the talents, sometimes we idolize those things. And all we have to do, and it's a quick fix, is just fix our eyes on him and let him be the joy first. He's the, the gift I seek first. And in return, all of these things follow. Can you give, last thing before we go, can you give one example of, man, because of Jesus, this is in my life. Like he's transformed and changed me in this way. And only because of that, this is what I'm involved with, or this is what's going on. Can you give us just one example? My husband is, I would say my husband, because all my life, I promised myself that I was never going to end up with a Spanish guy because a, a Spanish man is the one that molested me. So there was something tied into that, that reason. And I was always very skeptical about men. A lot of my friends were men, which is really weird, but I was very skeptical about them. Let me learn how they are. And I still didn't learn that. But when it came to know Jesus and really laying down and giving him my past hurts and my feelings and just everything, he challenged me with this. And he asked me if I would trust him when it came to a partner. Because I was like, okay, God, like you give the best of the best. You don't ever give anything less. So when it comes to my husband, this is what I'm hoping for. And he took it and he was like, okay, but can you trust that when I give you what I'm going to give you, that it is my best for you? And I was like, yeah, sure. When it was a Spanish guy, I was like, hmm. I don't know, God. And it's weird because <laughs> it's what I wanted, but not in the way that I thought it. The more that I laid it down, the more that I was like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe you. And I know that you're going to have what's best for me. My husband became just that. I say that my husband is the man of my dreams, but he really, really is the man of my prayers. Everything that I asked for, on my list of what I wanted from a husband, God gave me that and more. My husband is, is one to know. Like if there's anybody in the world that you should know, it should be my husband and I'm not being biased. Like he just has something on his life. But the beauty of it is that I learn more about Jesus in my husband. Mm. And that's something that I will forever take to the grave with me. God does an amazing job with me. And my husband is A1 on it. And it's because of God that I have my husband. So good, Alex. We 
have left a lot of things on the table. We will come back to this and do this again soon. I just want to say thank you for being vulnerable, sharing your story and sharing your heart with us today. And I just want to say again, say thanks for this. Yeah, thank you so much for the invite. Guys, if you have any questions, definitely come up and ask me because I love talking about Jesus and stories and transformation. It's amazing. So good. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.